0: on CJSR, your homegrown source for lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, and queer news, culture, stories, and events from Edmonton and beyond.
1: Hi. (laughs) (laughs) How's it going, JD? I'm good. How are you, Alexa? I'm good.
0: I feel like uh, I'm wearing shoes that aren't boots for the first time in eight months. Oh, it's nice. It is so nice outside. Like, my ankles are feeling the air. It's weird. Yeah, you don't have to wear a jacket today. I know, it's true. It's almost hot. That's how great it is.
1: (laughs) Uh, We have a a jam-packed show. We have so much stuff. And yet we're still Googling stuff right now (laughs) (laughs) as we speak.
0: Um, So just to give you a a heads up about what's coming, um, you might be heading to the mountains this weekend for Jasper Pride. Uh, So we have an interview uh, where you can get all the details on that. So we'll be playing that a little later in the show. We also have uh, an interview that was done by um, a great volunteer here at the station um, who uh, interviewed a friend of his uh, who left the priesthood in Jamaica as part of his process of coming out as gay. So we're going to be playing that as well probably toward the second half for of the show, just because we want to make sure to get through um, a bunch of other news stories that we have, S- but we'll start with pop culture and JD.
1: Pop culture, I couldn't get anything. It, Perez Hilton had no updates in his uh, blog, no gay I mean, updates, at least not, not, not gay updates. I mean, there's yeah, there's always stuff happening in pop culture, and he has a lot of garbage on there, but <laughs> nothing especially <laughs> queer. Yeah, but I did see a couple movies. Which, like, a while ago, and we haven't even gotten to them. I know. So, have you seen any movies lately? I actually haven't. I haven't, like, seen a single movie lately, let alone a queer one. Okay, well, then yeah. I will fill you in on two. Okay. Okay, so I saw love Simon, like, half of the gay community. <laughs> have you have you not seen that yet? No, I haven't.
0: I don't even... So, I don't even know. Like, I'm one of those... I just oh, don't okay. even know what the hype is. Like, well, I know nothing about okay, it. Okay, I'll tell you. Yeah.
1: So... It is a coming out movie, and I mean, yeah, I know, when I first heard it, I'm like, oh, another coming out movie? Mm-hmm. But it's actually really well done. It's, it's, I guess it had funding. It's based on a book. A book written by a straight lady, I want to say, but still, I guess she captured what it's like to be a teenage gay boy. Um,
0: yeah. So is she, there anything about like her connection to the community, or why she wrote it?
1: I don't know. She just wanted to write a book. I okay. guess, yeah. She did all right. I mean, the movie was directed by a gay man, so at least there's that, right? There's some connection to the community, mm-hmm. uh, some controversy over this uh, the lead actor uh, being straight. Um, but that, I mean, that's going to happen. It always happens, especially when a movie has a bigger budget. People don't want to see, um, well, straight people don't want to see gay actors. Right, we've talked about this I know. before. It's my theory. Yeah, um, but if but there right. there are some gay actors in the movie, so it's just the lead is straight to okay. make it more palatable. It is. I mean, a lot of these mainstream gay movies are you know by straight people for straight people. But this actually I did find enjoyable. There was a but like I said, there was a budget, so I mean the script was good, the acting was very good. Not like in a lot of these cheap those cheap gay movies you see on Netflix, mm-hmm. they're like. They have, like, nobodies and... Uh, yeah, you can kind of feel it as soon as it starts uh, that you're like... <laughs> like, the person who wrote it is in the movie, and often that's not a good sign. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was good. It's good. <laughs> it's, it's very modern. I mean, it's about coming out basically online through a chat board and via email, which is not an experience that I can relate to. Uh, but I'm sure a lot of young people... Uh, would find it very relatable I can't imagine what it's like today Uh, but uh, probably most people come up by text I'm guessing or whatsapp or I don't know not in person or snapchat or snapchat sure (laughs) so this was yeah this is a very uh, virtual uh, coming of age movie but it was good it was enjoyable recommend it
0: okay Yep. There weren't any, I mean, that it passes your, there weren't any, like, glaring cliches or
1: besides the whole well, premise. Well, all these movies are cliche, but there was actually at least kissing in it, too, which I was fully expecting mm-hmm. that there wouldn't be any, right? It would uh, pan away <laughs> a la uh, call me by your name or call me by my, call you, call, call me, me by, by your me. name. Yeah. Which uh, features trees in lieu of uh, man-on-man action. Yeah. It's still, it's it's PG-13 or whatever, so there's no... Well, it does involve teenagers, and yeah. it's like for them. But you know. there's at least a level of making out that a straight making out movie would get.
0: hmm
1: So, so, but two thumbs up. <laughs> We we haven't developed a rating system yet. We're gonna have to work on that. Well, yeah, I think it should be based largely on like,
0: is there making out, is there, yeah, yeah, how much
1: contact, are, what are the actors gay or trans? Am I getting out of the movie what a straight person would get out of a straight movie? There you go. And Just am, I, when that am, am I as a gay man getting something out of this movie, or do I feel that it's like aimed at straight people, like Brokeback Mountain was? But we can go there another day. <laughs> Uh, the other movie I saw was yeah. 120 bâtiments par minute, or 120 beats per minute. And it was a French movie mm-hmm. about uh, the early days of the AIDS crisis in France. So a period piece. I thought it was going to be a documentary. I honestly didn't read about it before I went. But it was a it's a dramatic movie. It was very oh. good. Very, very good. And I saw it right after... Call Me By Your Name like a week later mm-hmm. and I was like wow there's a gay movie with actual sex in it right like it doesn't pan away mm-hmm. and this is like this is what it's like to be a straight person watching a straight movie where you get to see like um, your life represented yeah, accurately exactly. yeah exactly and yeah. I mean and it's like like uh, Call Me By Your Name it's set in the early 80s so Uh, You know, AIDS crisis, and so sex is an important part of it. It's not just gratuitous sex. When people were having sex in the early '80s, it was um, it could be tense. It it meant something. Uh, Mm -hmm. This is wasn't just casual sex. Uh, So they actually do show it, and it's it's tasteful. It's not like pornographic. Mm -hmm. You don't see any anything that creates it leads it to have a different rating I'll we'll say that uh, and there was just I really liked to see uh, what it was like being gay in the 80s because I wasn't out to the 90s so it was cool seeing like I mean the the pride parade was a protest parade it wasn't uh, uh, everybody everything is a happy party right so that was that was cool uh, at one point, uh, there's only one scene where they address it, but uh, it, it was cool that the uh, activists uh, faced kind of backlash from the mainstream gays who, co- who looked at them for being too radical, and they called the mainstream gays zombies. Oh, really? Yeah. I like that. So it was only addressed once and in passing, but it, it was it was well done to show that, you know, not everybody was on the same page or believed the same thing. Uh, then, well, just like today. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, address. I mean, address a number of things that are still relevant today. Uh, there's a scene in the movie where they uh, are mad at the government because the government isn't offering uh, safe injection sites. Right. Which is uh, still something that we struggle to have in Alberta.
0: Yeah, and I mean, to totally relate that. And this movie took place in the 1980s. Yeah. And uh, HIV Edmonton was excited last month to announce that um, they've been working very hard and that the first safe injection site um, opened in Edmonton and the Boyle Street Community Services. And this was six years in the making for them. Um, they And and so it's opened, and uh, they're very excited for that, uh, for all that it can offer to the community. That's cool. Yeah, and there has been, I mean, there to keep in mind that there was government pushback. Um, Jason Kenney uh, has opposed it and has been vocal in his opposition to safe injection sites, so those fights um, are not... Easily won, right? So what is it? Like thirty years later.
1: Yeah. And one last point I'll point, part I'll point out is what I did like about the movie is they did the the activists they stormed the school and tried <laughs> to give uh, safe sex lectures in the school in the classrooms. So in one class, uh, the teacher chased them out. In another class, this female teacher like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> Like go for it, yeah. and this is still—I mean, this is still an issue in Ontario, right? Yeah. Where there, there's this, the election, the provincial election is going to be fought on sex ed. Yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. and I mean here
0: too that if things change, that the you know opposition is saying that they would retract everything that's being put forward here in terms of yeah. sex education. Absolutely.
1: So it was interesting. I mean, and the the more things change the more they stay the same. I don't know. Or it's about the lack of progress we've had in some areas, but...
0: Well, yeah, and the assumption that things are just getting better. And, yeah, they're they're not better. They're just different in a lot of ways.
1: But I definitely recommend that movie. Uh, If you want to see something a bit grittier than Love, Simon, or more realistic than Call Me By Your Name, see 120 BPM. And it's French, so... uh, I don't know You'll find it at the library probably
0: Nice Yeah I definitely want to see it And you said that there's uh, Another movie coming to the Metro That might be Oh yeah
1: so I saw that at the Metro It was only One Night Only And also One Night Only Coming up is Howl So that is um, A film about Allen Ginsberg Who was gay mm-hmm. And famously Charged with obscenity Yep In this, this movie, poem yeah. Yeah. So the movie is about His obscenity trial Of 1957 So another period piece it stars uh, what's his name James, James Franco. Franco. <laughs> so if you're getting tired of James Franco playing gay man,
2: yeah,
1: um, and queer baiting us, you give it a pass. But if you aren't <laughs> tired of James Franco uh, yeah. playing gay man and taking all of our roles, it plays April 26th at 6 p.m. at Metro at the Garno Theatre, and this is part of the EPF Edmonton Poetry Festival.
0: Oh, yeah, there are a ton of... We'll bring some other events that are happening with the Poetry Festival, because there's a, a specifically queer event that's happening as well.
1: I imagine that there is. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, yes. Yeah, so, so that's it. That's what I got for pop culture. Well, thank you. Base is covered. Do you have sport? Uh, speaking of, <laughs> of my great... Sports? Say, so do we have sports news? We don't actually this okay, week. That's Nothing. Thanks. Ah, <laughs> it's all right. Nothing happened. We don't always have to have sports news. No, we
0: don't. Nothing gay happened um, in the sports world that we're aware of. Yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of gay stuff happening in sports, but we just don't know about it this okay. week. Celebrate Earth Day with the second annual Wetland
3: Broadcast. On Sunday, April 22nd. Connect your everyday activities
1: to the circadian rhythms of a Saturna Island, British Columbia marsh. The voices of the wild creatures, frogs, birds, insects, and their environment take over the airwaves for this 24 hour experience in slow
0: radio, created by artists Brady Marks and Mark Timmig. I'm at the Tickle Trunk at 9923 82 Avenue, and you're listening to Gaywire. Hey there. Hello. Uh, We're Gaywire, and we're back. We're back.
1: With a Toronto update. It's like every show. Yeah. But we have a significant update. Uh, So when did this happen? Monday? I think I texted you as soon as it happened. Mm Mm-hmm. So was earlier this week, apologies, I can't remember what day, um, the alleged serial killer of Toronto, Bruce MacArthur, was charged with an eighth, uh, first, eighth charge of first-degree murder. Mm-hmm. And this was in relation to the person mm-hmm. whose image the police released. Uh, it was image taken from... Uh, Either a phone or a computer that belonged to Bruce MacArthur uh, of a deceased person, and the police released the image to try to identify the person because they could not figure out who it was. And uh, sadly, uh, media announced that uh, this person has been identified as Karushna Kanagaratnam, who was a uh, who arrived years ago. Remember when that big boatload of. Uh, asylum seekers from Sri Lanka arrived on the west coast. Yeah, oh. he was on that boat. Wow. So he'd been missing for about boat. Uh, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which explain, uh, he'd been missing since around 2015 and had never been reported missing to the police. And that explains why he was, uh, I don't know the legal status of the people off on that boat, whether they're permanent refugee, uh, permanent, uh, permanent residents or whether they're refugees or whether they're here illegally and face deportation, but he wasn't reported missing because, uh, his friends and family feared that reporting him missing would lead to him being detained and deported. And they, a lot of his friends and family believed that he had gone into hiding to avoid deportation. So it just really speaks to the, uh, sad nature of, uh, who this killer targeted is the most vulnerable pe- people. Mm-hmm. People who weren't out, uh, people who couldn't go to p- the police because some of his alleged victims did go to the police. Uh, people, a uh, sex worker, uh, people who just would not be reported missing or traced yeah. back to him. Like a street-involved person. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, So yeah, sadly, uh, uh, Mr. uh disappearance wasn't reported Uh, he was identified as the seventh set of remains that have been found so now all seven sets of remains have been identified there's one victim that uh, Bruce McArthur has been charged with killing whose remains haven't been found yet but there's also a lot more uh, places that their police are going to examine once the ground thaws so Mm. and they keep saying expect more expect more charges this is really sad Absolutely.
0: It also points to, I mean, and we obviously can't get into that that detail in the confines of our show, but we should, should certainly think about it. But it gets into also how horrible our immigration and refugee system is if somebody isn't reported to be missing for fear that they would be arrested, yeah. deported, or found out to be, um, you know, ma- a man who has sex with men or whatever it mm-hmm. is, right? That, there, that it makes it so dangerous for them that these situations can go on for three years where he wasn't reported.
1: Yeah. 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 And, and Well, yeah. And to bring it back to that, I mean, like I said last week, one person was reported missing and the police told his wife that he had probably run off to start a new life. So mm-hmm. uh, the, I, be, a lot of activists in Toronto are talking about this. We need a, a new way or a better way to look out for each other. We need a new way or a better way to report missing cases. And that's why, um, like we talked about last week, uh, that Alliance for South Asian AIDS Prevention, sorry, ASAAP. So they were the organization that were last week we talked about. If you want to email them or call them and say, "Hey, I'm hooking up with somebody," or "I'm just I'm going to somebody's house or meeting somebody somewhere," and you don't feel safe, tell them. And they will, uh, if you don't, if you don't turn up or you don't report back in seventy two hours, they will report you missing to the police and they will follow up to make sure that the police. Actually, investigate your disappearance, and so I guess to segue to another story, mm-hmm. uh, the executive director of that organization, Haran VJ Athnan, uh, is going to be the uh, Pride Toronto 2018 Grand Marshal.
0: Yeah, so which also th- coincides with that that uh, Pride Toronto has um, announced their theme for this year, uh, which is 35 years of AIDS activism. Uh, So it's all, it all ties together. And I just, I mean, it just shows like the remarkable and like, not to be like, I'm still skeptical, but it does seem like a remarkable change that is happening to Pride Toronto, um, where there's a focus on activism, Mm -hmm. on HIV AIDS, on this case, on like challenging the police and that this particular activist hits
1: all three and like all three of those things. I've Absolutely. Just, I've got quotes from him uh, from the Toronto Star, uh, from an article from the April 18th. What did he say? Uh, I'm finding out he is going to be the Grand Marshal. said it's truly an honor. I'm grateful for the opportunity because it raises the community on s- many levels. It's validating. It says that if you are Middle Eastern, South Asian, gay, there's a space for you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: No, I mean like I think. Um yeah, given
0: like every week we've sort of been realizing how much this organization and this person has been mm-hmm. doing, and every story we bring up, it's them. It's like it's this organization working on things. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I'm I'm hopeful and excited to sort of see what happens with Pride Toronto this year, um, and and maybe to hear from people. If the the feeling of w- what will hopefully be a march and not a parade is much different, and I can see, I could, I mean, I don't know. It's it'll be very interesting to see. Like, is it a celebration or is it sort of this community that's solidarity being very serious and and yeah, showing solidarity. It's kind solidarity. Of,
1: I mean, to bring it back, it's kind of like a return to the early '80s, uh, like the parade that I saw in that movie. Mm-hmm. Like, this is something that this could be something that unlike you or I have seen yeah. in our out lifetimes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, no, I mean,
0: yeah, we'll definitely be keeping an eye on it and, and seeing what happens, but thanks for the Toronto update.
1: Yep. Yeah. You have an interview now?
0: Yeah, so we're going to play uh, an interview um, that was put together by a, a CGSR volunteer, Conroy Smith, who interviewed a friend of his uh, named Michael Pinnock, Uh, and Michael left the priesthood in Jamaica as part of his process as coming out uh, as gay. So we're gonna give that uh, interview a listen. Thank you to Conroy for putting it together for us. And then we're gonna come back uh, with uh, events and that kind of stuff. So here we go.
4: This is CDS already, I'm your boy Roy and I have with me today my friend Michael Pinnock. We're gonna do a little brief interview with him um, about his past, his life and yes, all that he has to offer. No, first of all, let me introduce uh, Michael. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, Hi, Roy.
3: Um, Hi. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My name is Michael, and, um, um, well, how should I say? Father of one, and um, was married, no divorced, openly gay, and um, it's looking to go into uh, a future of um, motivational speaking. And so basically being here today would be something awesome. Talking to
4: you. Okay, great. Um, I want to thank you, f- um, first of all, for coming and to t- t- take some out of your busy schedule to be here. But I want to talk to you guys today about um, how he transitioned from being a minister once married and had to deal with the fact that he is gay and living in Jamaica. So I'm going to start off with Michael. Um, at what age did you first find out you were gay? You were a minister, and at what age you got married?
3: Oh, well, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I would say I found out from a very tender age. age um, would say for the age of six, I I could definitely say, definitely I was gay. Um, I got married when I was twenty-four.
4: Um, and just for just a second, um, just for you listeners, he, uh, he got married to a woman, right? At that point, right? Yes, just like, yes,
3: great, thank you. Yeah, so I uh, got married when I was twenty four. my, got, we um, had a daughter when I was say twenty seven, twenty eight, there about. Yes, yeah, so um, so I got married when I was twenty four, or a child when I was twenty seven, um was in the church at that point i think that's when i realized that living a double standard life style.
4: no no um at what age were you just not to go, but at what age were you a minister
3: um i started er- early in the church so i got saved when i was 15 mm-hmm. and um start moving start ministering um uh, when i was like 20. Twenty-one. I went to Bible school, and then from there, that's when I started as a youth minister. So at that age, okay,
4: okay great, thank you. All right. So um, you found that you were gay. You are gay when you were six years old. Um, living in Jamaica, what made you decided to be a minister, knowing oh, homophobic Jamaican culture is good. We know all homophobic Jamaica here, mm-hmm. because yes, we're from there. So just to say, but why did you decide to be a minister, knowing? That My current, yes and you would not be accepted within that um diaspora to say i I, th- I think is not something as as people put it is that like being a
3: minister is not just go taking up a, a career it's also a calling that you feel in your life something mm-hmm. that you have a spiritual connect connection with and um on that basis that's when I decided it's more a calling, and that's why I will tell individuals that who f- struggle with homosexuality and being a Christian it's not something that you should think that is something evil. Um, because why would God put a calling on my life knowing that I have this tendency? So um, I started... Um, Having a spiritual awakeness, wanting to serve, wanting to give of my support in the ministerial field, uh, wanted to help people who, who is in need. And I believe as a Christian, that's the best way for going through hardship, going through your struggle in life, want to help individuals out there who are going through the same thing or even more are more. Struggles in life than just homosexuality. Then, he, so that's why I wanted to serve more than anything
4: else. All right, listen to you speak. Um, it seems like you were well aware of who you are at that age when you be ministry. You sound like you were fully identified yourself. So, what what made you decide to get to, to get married to a woman, yeah. and knowing all this? Well, as at that time, I wasn't really
3: into having intercourse with anyone or anything. It was just the feelings Mm -hmm. that I had. So um, I think being um, in the church, and it is a culture where you know that... you can't just go and take up a guy and marry. So <laughs> uh, everyone would probably look at you as being different. And right. all the uh, my church brothers and sisters getting married. So I just wanted to be a part of that, which everyone wants to be a part of the crowd of everyday society. I want to be in the elite of what life. So you just want to be a part of that. So I decided to get married. Um my ex my ex now she knew then that i had the issue of having the tendency of of, of, of feeling Engage? for guys, yeah. yes, but I haven't really gone down the road of really walking through the steps of getting intimate with someone. So um, I think on that basis, knowing that we were friends, she decided like, okay, why not try? <laughs> so maybe I could change him. Or, right? uh, yeah. So I think that was it, and I wanted to be changed also, knowing that. But it, there's certain things in life that we know that we just can't change by just doing that. We just have to. Accept accept certain things.
4: Okay, that's good. Um, And just for the listeners, in Jamaica, Jamaica's a very homophobic country. We really pride ourselves and um, we, we basically live on religion, basically the Bible, Christianity. And <laughs> I don't know how to say it, but it's kind of hard. Like, anything the church says really goes, right? Yeah, they take it like that. So because the Bible said a man that loved another man shall be put to death. So I was a bit skeptical of the way because he got married, I was like, why did you do that? Why you why why you there? Because you know oh, the pastors bash members of the mm-hmm. LGBTQ community. And the double standard that we we, we we face living in Jamaica in terms of um lesbian is okay but gays are not accepted, right? kind 'Cause it's kinda kinda like that. Yeah. So I was just kinda like, why did you even do all this knowing who you are, but listening to you I can understand um, where you're coming from, and I'm from there so I know exactly what it is. And um, just my other question for you. Looking back at all this, what would you have done differently?
3: I, <laughs> I could say that I would ch- um, would not get married, but then, <laughs> but then again, I have a wonderful daughter, so on that I will not change that part. I will definitely not, because having a child is the most beautiful thing um, I could um, anyone could ask for. But I would s- stand up more accept myself um, more and step out into my truth, long before now. I think I'm just now embracing my full truth. And um, I would have changed just about accepting myself more then, that's all I would say I would do. But I think life teaches us lessons, so I am who I am today because of my past experience. So. I said I learned from that. So I probably would just say, be proud of who I
4: am. Very much true, we have, we have to be proud of who you are, or who we are as an individual, as a person, and um, if we don't accept ourselves who we are, nobody else will accept us, you know what I mean? And I'm really happy that you really take the brave step, I mean that we're living in Jamaica on our diaspora. What do you think, does our culture have, um, had an impact in you making all the decision that you did?
3: Um, I think it was more not the culture um, impact me in my sexuality. I will think it's more um, you finding yourself, Mm -hmm. making a stand, knowing that. I stand for something. I stand for righteousness. Yes, I stand for Michael. I want to live. I'm here to live, and I want to live my truth. I want to live, and I want to be free to live my truth. So I think um, it's not the culture itself, but the individual that I've become has so pushed me to accept myself and to become
4: more um, open to who I am. All right, so um, you've been kind of for uh, five years because we spoke prior to this, um, almost six years. Almost six years. Yes, I'm um, great. Yeah, because we're friends, right? So yeah, I know everything about him really, but I'm just saying, I know you're now a member of the Madugo United Church. Yes, I'm um, your minister there, and you've already you've preached um, in that church before. Yes, I have. Compare the preaching here with the preaching back home in Jamaica. What is it like? How do you feel? What's what's the difference?
3: Um, the thing is, back in Jamaica, when I when I minister, um, I couldn't. I was ministering as an indiv- uh, someone else, and I will say someone else because then, I everyone see me as, as this guy who has the word, someone who knows has charisma and everything else, and. Um, so they will see the charisma they'll see what you have and the the glory of God on your life but the so it was a different s- scenery then now I am being Michael with all of that—the charisma, everything else—and being outly gay, knowing that. Listen, I can be a queen if I yes. want to be, and uh, I can say "girl" right? <laughs> without any apology. If I want to lo- um, let my wrists be free, I can let it be free. And, 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 and I'm and, gagging at this, to be honest. And and, and, and that's the beauty—that's the beauty yeah. that I have being in Canada and at Madhu and ministering is that I don't have to be looking over my shoulder if knowing that because of my sexuality, I may have to run out of this church because someone may be, uh, somebody may be mad with me (laughs) at my sexual being gay. But here I can be free. I can be who I am. I can be myself. I can be Michael, gay, whatever, and be
4: proud of it. So that's the difference. I have to say, um, you know, when I first came here, and you know, I have we have friends who were ministers and stuff, and you're a member of the LGBTQ community. Yeah, I, I was like, "Oh my God, we have pastors who are gay, and they're not in the closet, girl, <laughs> child. <laughs> we got we got like everybody's people who are trans or uh bi, and they're all living their truth. Where were we living?" Oh, well,
3: I would say hell, but, <laughs> hell, no, but, no, 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 but no, 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 no. But it's a beautiful country. you're From a, it's yes. a paradise. I, I love the,
4: the, it. The, 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 religious, the religious cultural aspect of it. It's is so new. It's so different. We're, we're coming, coming to Canada. Yes, it is so inviting. It's, 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 it's a
3: totally new atmosphere. I would say you step into, and um, I think that's what Christianity is all about: newness. And um, you walk into something that you can be free. Yeah. And um, I think we have so put Christianity as a bondage over people's life. So it's. i just, um, just, just not, not, not just to bit, able for clarity. Mm-hmm.
4: Within the Caribbean.
3: Within the Caribbean, yes. Yeah. You, they have so put it like it's a bondage. Christianity is not bandage, no. a bondage. It's about you being liberated. Christianity right. is supposed to... Uh, uh, with you, As you said, the Bible said love.
4: Not just Christianity, but religion religion and a whole. Religion and the whole. Well, basically, world, yeah.
3: Basically does that. And um, love... Uh, religion supposed to t- uh, but then because i know only christianity growing up yes. in it then i can say growing up as a christian it makes it looks like you were so much in bondage the christianity is not about bondage it's about you being free of of, of yeah you can it, just as you lift your hands in church and worship you want to feel that freedom to know that Hallelujah. you can be yourself and know that people out there loves you. You can show love. And that's where
4: Christian is all about love. And I think that's what I find here. Which is really great because, you know, we love it here. We love when the church here. I love it. Oh, my God. Well, you know, I go occasionally because I'm a busy man. But when I do go, I go and I'm there and I'm in the moment and it's really great. But um, we didn't say much about your marriage. How did that work out? Um, because I know you got divorced, right? Yes, I did. How did that play out? How did that play a part in, in you being in the church?
3: Um, I had, when myself and my ex decided to split, knowing that we had a child, I had to step down from my position as a youth minister. And um, the good thing that I I can say that comes out of it, though, is that I, people say that they had divorce and they have bitter relationship with their ex. I can't say that. I I have a wonderful ex-wife. Um, if I should probably go <laughs> back in time and recognition I think I will probably pick her again. Oh, my God. <laughs> if I was ever that straight. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> thing, yeah. So I think I will definitely go back and I will say yes, I'll marry her again because she's so wonderful and uh, she's very supportive. She will, as a woman, you will know she will have her things. She will stand for certain things which I do respect but yet still very supportive. I could not say one bad thing about her when it mm-hmm. comes to my sexuality. Or whatever. She never made me feel like I'm an outcast or feel less of myself. Mm-hmm. And I think... Her being in my life also helped me to today stand in my truth and know that. Listen, you're not alone. And she has been there a cornerstone
4: in my. Oh, that's amazing. So, always a relationship. Just to wrap up here, always a relationship with your daughter. Uh, My the relationship with my daughter was I was very afraid of
3: knowing she knowing what her father is and everything and the reason why we her mom and her dad really separated. And I think She knows the truth now She's going to be 14 coming um, In June um, big She's a girl. Big woman I will say <laughs> But um, She's very understanding And very supportive And uh, the, the fact That I was always a f- The thing I was uh, Very afraid of Is that Not having her love uh, Feel that love From her And um she has assured me that, Daddy, I love you. And that meant the world to me. And I think that's the icing on the cake.
4: That's pretty interesting. Um, I'm happy to hear that. Um, my last question I'm going to ask, you know, what advice would you give to people out there who are going through a similar situation or a situation of some sort? I would
3: say find someone who you can open up with. Someone who will understand you, who will not judge you, who will not just look at you and say, Oh, this isn't... And um, someone who will walk you through life and say, listen, um, you are not the worst, you're not an outcast, and work from there because it's hard to find people to support you when you're gay, and especially in in this background. uh, So find someone who you can really be honest with, and be honest with yourself, and uh, decide to say, listen, I wanna be me, I wanna be whosoever God created me to be, and live that truth, that's it.
4: All right, Michael, thank you so much. Um, We just talked about how Michael's transition from being a minister once married to a woman, and as to the fact that he's gay and living in Jamaica. So for all who are listening, thank you so much for tuning in to CGSR Radio. I'm your boy, Roy. And um, love yourselves. Stand up for what you believe in. Don't sit back and watch. Just talk up, speak up. And guess what? Live your best life ever. That's what we do around here. All right? Thank you so much for tuning in to CGSR again. And I'm your boy, Roy. Tuning out. Bye-bye.
0: Hey, we're back Hey And thanks to uh, Conroy Smith for his interview with uh, Michael Pinnock About uh, leaving the priesthood in Jamaica As part of his uh, process of coming out That was really Yeah, it's cool Yeah, great personal insights for sure So thank you for that Uh, So we just have a little bit more time left Uh, There's a couple events coming uh, One of which is this weekend Jasper Pride Festival uh is oh my goodness, I'm looking at all these events that they have, is happening uh this weekend, starting tonight, it looks like. Um Thursday. Yeah, going till the twenty second, so you can take that four and a half hour drive and get out there. Um we're gonna play an interview that was done um, Uh, for us uh, that'll give you a whole bunch of information everything that you need to know about Jasper Pride and then we're going to come back with any additional details that we think you might be interested in Uh, so here we go
5: The ninth annual Jasper Pride Festival returns to the Rocky Mountains this weekend. I spoke to co-chair and co-founder Lynn Wanup earlier this week. With Lynn being in Jasper, I had to phone her for the interview and could hear the sounds of a party when she answered, the sounds of music, of conversation, so it was pretty clear that she has a thriving social life. To put that a bit more eloquently, it became clear that she values living within a closely knit community. That had a lot to do with why she started Jasper Pride nine years ago. Although the story of Jasper Pride starts even earlier than that, when Lynn bought a famous Jasper restaurant, Coco's Cafe on Patricia Street.
2: You know, nine years ago, we bought the restaurant. Well, no, sorry, the almost 11 years ago, we bought the restaurant and I put a rainbow sticker on the window because everywhere I ever worked had one. It was, it was just, why wouldn't I? And uh, it sort of caused a little bit of an uproar, got ripped down then replaced and it just sort of stemmed from there. I was like okay, this town needs this and
5: it just it's snowballed and snowballed snowballed. Did you ever get to the bottom of the sticker incident?
2: Yeah, I caused a major uproar. <laughs> um, Cocos has been there since nineteen ninety one. We bought it in two thousand seven and uh um there was nowhere else in town that had a rainbow sticker. I was the first one and then now it's you're hard pressed to find a business that doesn't have one. I'd say 80% of the town has rainbow stickers in the windows.
5: So do you think the sticker getting torn down served as sort of a rallying point for the community? I
2: I don't know how widely known. Like, I mean, it's something I've talked about since then in interviews and different things. People know when it initially happened. I don't know how many people in the community might have known, but I know it rallied me to be more vocal. And I mean, it's, I'm not an overly quiet person anyways. so it's pretty easy for me to sort of... Get up in arms, and you know what? This is what I believe in, and it's not going away. The people were always here, you know what I mean? But it just, it's like we, we sort of brought people together. It's, you know, like it's the community here is unreal, and they, uh, so what,
5: uh, how important has that community or that sense of community been to the longevity of the festival?
2: It's easy for people to work together when they like each other, and it just, it's that's again and again, year after year, that's what we have here. There was definitely in the kickoff, the first couple of years, people that, you know, hard-pressed, had to talk them into it and, like, explain to them. And you'll take different angles. Like, if you're uncomfortable with it, well, look at it this way. It's a good business venture. You know what I mean? And then now, it's like, whoa, they're seeing this. It's people come year after year. Like, you look at Tourism Gaspers jumped on board to do their um, new initiative. It's called Pride 365. It's year-round. Because this is something, like, it's international now. It's, you know, they travel, you know, Germany and, you know, all like, all over the place, all over Europe. And they promote Jasper Pride, as well as, like I just said, like the backdrop, it's, you know, the whole stems back to like, this is where people come to vacation, so why not make it, like, why not, why wouldn't you come to Jasper for a weekend because we go there weekends anyway, so making a special trip for a Pride festival isn't a far stretch, like it's, and you know, it's not just, I mean, Pride's in the city, you know, like in Vancouver and Emerton and Calgary and stuff like that, like, you know, these like really amazing parties and events and everything, whereas in Jasper, we can offer things that a city can't.
5: So, can you tell me a bit more then about the atmosphere that makes the Jasper Pride experience unique?
2: There's definitely the party atmosphere, right? Like it's you know every evening, sort of all the different events turn into like the bars, nightclubs, and stuff like that are huge parties. But what we've really built on, um, Jasper has a GSA, which um, I don't know how many there is in Alberta now, but Jasper's has been active for I think seven or eight years. Like it's it's long and it's amazing. It's like genuinely an all inclusive welcoming community, and it's I don't know the people are so good the like the businesses are so good it's it's just so wonderful, it's so cool. you drive into town and you know it's sort of like you know a few years ago we started with a rainbow flag sort of at the end of each town- ta- at either end of town on the light post. well, now I think it's like ninety four or something like that like every single light post in town has two rainbow rainbow flags. I'm looking at them right now, like it's. They're up all the way downtown. You drive in and there's no doubt in your mind.
5: Wow. So it seems like even just driving into the city during Jasper Pride is an experience in itself. But uh, what are some of the other events that people can attend? Well,
2: being a little bit later this year, last year we uh, sort of reached out and said some of the, you know, what are some of the issues or, you know, talking to like some of our big partners, um, like the bigger hotels and stuff like that. And they were all like, God. You know, when we first originally did it, it was sort of February because February was so slow. Well, let's move a little into March because we need more rooms then. Then April, like, we just had to move here and there to accommodate having rooms. Because without rooms, because we're a destination pride, with all those rooms, with those hotel rooms, we don't have pride. So last year, the, a couple of our biggest partners really said, like, oh, we're really booked up. Like, can we move it a little bit? So we did. Um, So moving at these few weeks, the hill is still open and the hill is unreal right now. It's been such an unreal year. But moving it forward, we're doing things like the motorcycle tours, which we've never been able to do because there's usually like a lot of snow on the ground. So we're doing our own food festival during the, during Pride called um, Pork and Spoon. And there's a huge, huge buy-in to this thing. So basically all these restaurants are selling a specific item or a specific whether it be like a drink and, a, and an appetizer or something, and a certain percentage or dollar amount of every of that item sold all weekend is going back
5: to Pride. Now I see you have an event called Under the Big Top. What's that all about?
2: It, it, uh, the signature uh, sort of like our gala event, we're calling it um, uh, Under the Big Top. It's uh, sort of like circus themed and it's we've gone totally crazy. The, de- the decor and the lights and it's amazing, kind of vintage circus like sort of sexy, like, oh, it's going to be unreal. Um, we had to move it because we hit capacity at the lodge last year, the only other place in town that can hold the bigger capacity is in town at uh, the curling rink, which sounds crazy, but we have gone out to the nines, the decor, the lighting. It's ultimately returning the largest room in town into a nightclub. And it's going to be so fun. Caravan of Glam approached us. And uh, so there's there's a small show but very little like talk and stuff like that. It's more, it's, oh, it's gonna be so unreal.
5: Sounds like a lot of fun. Um, so in closing, if there is one motivating factor behind the success of the festival, it sounds like it would probably be the community behind it, the community that puts like it Like I said,
2: on. I had this vision, right? And it just, it's its grown into more than I ever could have imagined. And a lot of it has to do with the community. Like it's just, we are so freaking lucky. It's such an amazing group of people like i'm surrounded with and it's it's just beautiful
5: it's amazing thank you lynn for talking with us today if you want to go to jasper pride it's on this thursday to sunday in jasper alberta head to jasperpride.ca for all the details and scheduling information i'm connor O'Donovan. thanks for listening today you're listening to generator on cjsr
0: hey we're back and thanks to uh Connor O'Donovan for that uh, interview, all about uh, everything that's happening at Jasper Pride. Just to give you uh, some more ideas, they listed some of the events that are happening, um, but it really looks like a jam-packed schedule of events, including things like Pride Spa. There's a kickoff party. There's a teen kickoff party. There's a Pride Beer Night, a Pride Dance Party, more Pride Spa, Jasper Wildlife and <clears throat> uh, Tour, Pride Skiing. Pride motorcycles, Pride Glacier walk, so everything that you mm-hmm. think of doing in Jasper, but full of pride
1: it sounds like a great business venture,
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know I mean so yeah I mean to they,
1: quote the founder,
0: yeah, uh, it's so, interesting,
1: yeah, yeah, will there be gay people at the Pride? <laughs>
0: I know, I mean, I, I, like. I, Jasper Pride has been very interesting over the years. I went to the first few, and it had a very community feel. Like, the dance party was at the high school gym, and it felt like, like I've never been, well, I've been in queer spaces that are very inclusive and feel like a warm hug, but this one did, and it was very unexpected that it did. Um, it seems, though, that it has changed over the years, and the focus has changed.
1: I mean, I don't, I've i never been, so I, I can't say. And this is only my personal opinion, not the opinion of the interviewer or the radio station or of Alexa. Mm. But when I go to the Pride Jasper website, it says, Jasper Pride is a popular event with over a 1,000 visitors traveling from around the world to attend a marquee Pride event in a spectacular mountain setting. We offer a wide range of sponsorship opportunities for community partners to make the most of your investment. Right. There's no... It doesn't say... Gay, lesbian, by trans, anything mm-hmm. on on that page? Yeah. Um, not to criticize, Death Pride, but well, just a question: like,
0: was that a conscious thing, and if so, why? Yeah.
1: And uh, it's yeah. It's who's is it being led by an LGBT community, or is it being led by the business community? Yeah, and I mean, because uh, is its its it is it is it is it the businesses have come together to bring in tourists, and I mean, if that's what they're, if that's what it is, then that's fine. But uh, it's not to bring it back to what we were talking about later or earlier. A, a community-based, and when I say community-based, I mean like queer community-based uh, event. It's a it's a corporate-based event, and if that's turns your crank, then go do Pride skiing at the Pride Spa. <laughs> And, um, yeah.
0: No, I know. And I, I mean, it's it's been a question for a number of years, and I don't disagree with you. I think it is very curious that, that and in the, you know, when people are talking about it, that gay, lesbian, bi, queer, and trans aren't uh, brought up. And that it's very, like, there's rainbows all over the website, but it's... Um, just looking at some of these events, I would wonder, and if people go and they like, you know, it was really queer. It was, they made efforts to um, do everything from like making the change rooms at the ski resort and the washrooms gender neutral to ensuring that the spa staff Um, are very aware that people um, have different sort of comfort levels with their body and that going to a spa can be very uh, challenging and and restrictive for a lot of people. Um, That would be interesting to hear about because that would be amazing. So I'm curious if that kind of stuff is going on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So send your angry phone calls to me, not (laughs) not Alexa. Um, That's it. Thank
0: you to uh, the two folks that did the interviews for us. Uh, They are very interesting and and a great addition to the show. Uh, We'll be back next week, and we'll be catching up again. There's just so much news happening. Uh, Up next is Prairie Picking. Before that's the BBC. And uh, see you later, JD. Bye.